Hello everyone and welcome to Hymnology, a show about psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, and the people who sing them. My name is Sawyer. So thank you for joining me today. Today our guest is an author by the name of Rivers Housel. Now Rivers has recently published three books within the past couple of years. Um, one being more of a fantasy book, uh, fiction. The second one uh, called Credo, which kind of explains the creeds, confessions, catechisms of the church. But what we're going to mainly talk about today is her newest book called Hidden in the Hymns. Now, we've all seen words in hymns that we don't understand, whether that be like in Come Thou Fount when we talk about an Ebenezer or um, in All Hell the Power of Jesus' Name. There's some weird language there. Um, the list goes on of what songs might confuse us. But what Rivers does in her book is take some of those songs and expand them and explain the meaning behind them so that we can see the truth, which leads us to worshiping God more fully. So I hope you've enjoyed this interview with Rivers, but also I would like you to know that Rivers and her publishing house, Noggin Nose Press, has graciously offered the listeners of Hymnology a 10% discount on their next purchase on their website, nogginnosepress.com. So all you have to do on any purchase on their website, go in, type in Hymnology on the uh, coupon code, and you'll receive a 10% off and also free shipping on your order. But I hope you enjoy this interview with Rivers Housel. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Hymnology. My name is Sawyer, and I have with me today my guest and author, Rivers Housel. Rivers, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So if you will, just kind of talk a little bit about yourself. Introduce yourself, tell your background and what you do now. Well, I am two years out of high school. I was homeschooled all the way and I'm, I live on my family's land and I work from home with my dad. Our family runs our own publishing company and I do writing and editing work of various kinds, but all out here in the middle of rural Arkansas. Okay. Yeah, I understand that. So let's talk about, let's talk about uh, your upbringing for a second. So you said you were homeschooled. Mm-hmm. Um, how has that had an impact so far on you when it comes to your writing? Um, you started writing while you were in school. Is that correct? Absolutely. I've pretty much been writing since kindergarten in one form or another okay and I finished the manuscript of my first book when I was 14 you were 14 okay and can you tell us about that book I can it's a fiction fantasy for middle graders so about for kids about the age I was when I started writing it okay and it was very heavily influenced by fiction fantasies I was reading at the time so gotcha gotcha and so you know whenever I was I kind of went on your website and looked at looked at all that. You know, the, the first book that popped out is one we're gonna we're gonna talk about. But you know, I, I saw that book first, and um, it you know it made me think of of several authors. But I wanted to know kind of like what is your um, who your who were your inspirations back then? Whenever you were writing, kind of in the very beginning. Well, I I can't remember if I had read all of the Chronicles of Narnia at that time. I had at least read some of them and I loved them. But probably the main influence at that time was Andrew Peterson's Wing Feather Saga. Okay. That book series was my life for about three years. Oh, okay. (laughs) Good. Yeah. And it should be, it's good. And, and this is, this is a very Narnia friendly place. So anytime you want to 
relay anything back to Narnia, feel free to and just nerd out. I'll, I'll, I will go there with you. Don't worry. Um, okay. So your first book um, was, was, was more fantasy fiction. Um, and we'll go into all of, all of your books after that, but in a little bit later, but let's, um, let's talk about your church background. Um, that's something that I, I don't know much about. Um, kind of what is your, what is your background there? Maybe like denominationally or, or kind of where are you at there? Well, when I was um, born till I was about four, we were Southern Baptist. Okay. And then we are, we're a Reformed Presbyterian now. You all became Calvinist. We made the jump. Yes, yeah. but that's, that's where we are now and that's where I intend to stay. So. Okay. okay. So you kind of grew up at the Southern Baptist church state, like for a while. How about, when did, when did you, when your family make that change? I was four, so I remember before that, but pretty much most of my growing up was in the Reformed arena. Okay. Um, so were you, let's see. So I, I am a Reformed Southern Baptist. So would you, if you were four at that point, would you have been baptized when your family joined the? No, no, I was baptized about a year later. A year later. Okay. Okay. I got you. Yeah. I wasn't sure, you know, because um, obviously your books tend to lean a certain way and um, you can definitely tell. So I wasn't exactly sure uh, where that was. And I know with you, with you kind of being in Arkansas and, and even where I am, sometimes that reformed uh, tradition can be hard to, hard to find, uh, especially yeah. in, in a rural, <laughs> in a rural context. How, uh, how is, is your church kind of in what, near where you live or do you guys have to travel a little bit? No, we have to drive 40 minutes to get to church and yes the people who live closest to our congregation probably have 20 minutes but we have people who drive more like an hour we're all very far flung okay like, yeah that reformed congregations around here no definitely not and that's yeah I, I understand that That that's kind of the way um and really I mean it kind of this way I am where I am now but also where I where I grew up I mean I didn't know what that meant until mm-hmm. I was a, a lot older um well, okay. Well, that that's good. That's a good little background. So, what was what was growing up like? What was homeschool like? I wasn't homeschooled. I'm always interested to see what it was like. I mean, you know, it sounds like a fun life. It was very. I never wanted to be anything else. Uh, yeah. And you asked earlier what influence it had on my yeah. writing. It's yeah. been. It it's where it came from because I had. I, I was encouraged to read, and I was around books all the time, and. Yeah. It, I don't know. There, there's such a freedom that comes with homeschooling yeah. because my parents were able to tailor it to yeah. what I needed, especially as I got up into the upper grades. Right. So it was like my grandmother taught me English composition my junior okay. year. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it, it, I was able to put as much emphasis on that as I needed to, okay. to really flourish and try it. Yeah. And so what about the publishing house? Tell us a little bit about that. Um, you, you mentioned that's kind of a family-ran business. Um, I don't imagine there's very many family-ran publishing houses right now. Um, so tell us a little bit about that. Well, it kind of started out of necessity because I wanted to publish my first book of Nature and Kings, the fiction fantasy. Okay. And <clears throat> I was 15 when we first printed it. And we just came up with Noggin Nose as the press name to slap on the back, yeah, but that, yeah. there was nothing else to it at that time. And then I reprinted it again a couple of years later, but then right after I graduated high school, we decided we're gonna do this all the way. So we made Nagano's Press a real thing and we re-released Nagano, uh, sorry, of Nature and Kings in 2020. Okay. 
And we've been publishing other books through Nagano since then. So it's Nagano's Press has been a real thing since 2020. Okay. Okay. And so tell me what that looks like. Um, family ran, mm-hmm. right? So how, how, what is practically, what does that look like for, for you and your family? Um, ran straight out of the home? Kind of what does that look like? Well, it looks like a tiny little office building about 25 yards from our house on our land. Okay. And I both work from home, as I said. So we both work out here. We've got a shelf with our book stacks and my sister's learning how to fulfill orders for us. And mom and dad and I are the board in quotes. You know, it's, it's, it's about as family run as you could possibly be. And uh, do you, you print from there too? No, no, we do outsource our printing, but we fulfill orders ourselves. Our, our books are on all the major retailers, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, et cetera, but we have our own little store here that we, we fulfill from. Okay. And are you the only author in the family or is that a family thing too? Currently the only author. Okay. Who knows what'll come? Cause I have five younger siblings. So okay. <laughs> the right. odds of one of them are joining. Are the oldest? I am by yeah. a long shot, but the odds of one of them joining me are pretty good. So. <laughs> okay. Well, good deal. You say by a long shot, by how many years? It's almost six years between me and the second one. And then they're all oh. one after the other after that. Okay. I got you. Yeah. My, my youngest sister is, is 15 years younger than me. So yeah, that's a, yeah, I, I understand that. Um, there's not that many kids in between. There's only one more in between, but, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I know, I know what that's like. So, well, okay. I'll tell you what, let's kind of dig into this conversation about hymns. Um, let, let me ask you this real quick, though. Which which book came out first? Let me, let me share my screen real quick so everybody can see. Um, see your nice website, by the way. Um, let's look at your books. By the way, let's talk about typewriters for a second. What's your deal with typewriters? <laughs> I, I've, I've seen that pop up every now and then. Yes. Oh, well, it's just a thing. <laughs> okay. That's all okay. I can say. I got you. I got you. you. Know C.S. Lewis hated typewriters. I know. I know. But <laughs> I can't. I can't not love them. <laughs> I understand. I have two on the floor next to me right now. <laughs> okay. Well, good. Hey, listen. Surround yourself with what you love. So we've got we got of nature and kings that we, you said that was first, um, and then we have Credo. So was that second? Yes, by about six weeks. Um, well. Okay. Before- it, there were like two years between of nature and kings and credo and then only about six weeks between credo and hidden in the hymns okay and thank you for correcting me uh, in a passive way when i said credo you corrected oh, by saying credo no. that's a that's great a, way to that's a great way to cor- correct people. <laughs> credo okay so well, let's just talk about me say credo <laughs> yeah no you're good so let, let's talk about credo for a second then um credo the subtitle is creeds confessions catechisms and covenants um that may not be interesting to 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 a lot of people. It is to me, but whenever some whenever you hear all of that, what what was your goal and kind of what was your heart behind Credo? Hmm. Well, the the goal was to create a one volume source that kind of summarized all of those documents because they paint such a picture of church history. And you really have to understand church history through them because they, they're, they're the best record we have for some statement of beliefs. Yeah. And we decided to do it. I think we came up with the idea in 2020 and it was because so many people were entering the reformed congregations yeah. all, of, all of a sudden. And 
you'll see that most of the documents included in Credo are reformed. Yeah. And it, so it was supposed to be kind of an introduction to reformed church history at a glance. Okay. You compare, um, you know, catechisms in the, these different catechisms in the same, you just flip with the flip of a page. Okay. And um, so essentially this book, you have all these creeds included. And is there an explanation? I've not been able to read this one yet. Is, is there an explanation of each creed in, in the book or kind of like what's, what's the format of this book? Every, um, well, first off in the beginning of the book, there's a timeline with okay. all of these in order, plus other major events in church history to kind of put them in context at a glance. Okay. But then at the beginning of each and every document, um, I wrote an introduction to kind okay. of explain what was the purpose of it? What was going on in the church at the time? Again, all for the goal of introducing someone to this church history and putting it in context for them. Okay, yeah. And I think that is a, um, it's a needed thing. Um, I know personally for me, whenever, especially whenever you make that transition to a more reform mindset, um, it can be a dangerous time period. You know, um, I, I would consider you blessed considering you, you, you kind of were brought up in it. And um, I know, especially for a lot of a lot of people who are in ministry, that transition can be a dangerous time because I think everybody else should agree with them. And there's, you know, there's 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 an angry, angry period. But confessions and creeds and catechisms and covenants, all of these things together help put it into a nutshell of kind of all right, hey, listen, you're not the only one to ever think this, you know, like in a, it, it'll humble you, but, but also yeah. make you realize like there, there is more than just you. There's a community built right. around this. Um, and you don't have to discover everything all by yourself. There's, there, there are creeds, you know, there, there are documents that the church has written over years to, to help out with that. Yes. Um, how, what's your relationship with, with some of these kind of things with, with these creeds and confessions? Um, did you, or were you catechized as a child? Yes, but not with any of the catechisms in the book. Okay. Uh, to be honest, I don't remember the name of the one that they did teach me. I can remember a bunch of the questions, but I don't remember what it's called. It's not in the book. I know that. Okay. So until I was reading and editing the documents for this book, a lot of them I had never read completely. So I, I loved working on Credo because I was getting yeah. to read those documents and things. Right. But obviously everything we put in there, I would agree with. There are certain little things I would disagree with, like okay. some of the um, baptism, for yeah. example, some yeah. of the different, but we intentionally included documents from different reformed categories, reformed Baptist, reformed Presbyterian, et cetera, because right. we wanted to show that the differences are secondary and the unity is paramount. Yeah. And yeah. we wanted to show the continuity between right. all of them. Right. And, you know, you, you think you're done with, you think you're done with the division, kind of whenever you, you make that jump, but really you just jumped into more division. <laughs> and it, it's easy to see that historically whenever you have that many different creeds. But, but like you said, there, there is always middle ground. Um, and, and I think that book will definitely help, help to, to see that. Um, so let's go into our conversation about music and hymns and, and worship. 
So um, on, on this show, what, in the beginning, um, what we were doing, what I was doing, was we, I was breaking down just individual songs and, and going through them. Um, but then that kind of turned into uh, more of a discussion from people who sing them um, mm-hmm. or people who are, are devoted to them. Um, first, let me ask you this. Uh, as far as music goes, um, is that something that you are into? Like as far as like, are you, are you a musician? Yes, I am. Yeah. Okay, I, I'm, everybody's into, into music, but you know what I mean. Right, so you're a musician. What about your family? Or is that kind of like a family thing? Uh, absolutely, and only like within the last year and a half has it become so. But it's it. Okay. <laughs> it's it's kind of rule our life, our entire family's life at the moment. Okay. All right. What do you play? Violin is my main instrument. Okay. But I dabble in mandolin and I'm trying to think what else. I, I just recently picked up accordion and cello, so we'll see okay. how those. But yeah, how, family when did members. you start playing violin? When I was nine. Nine. Okay. Okay. Well, cool. Um, so, so let's let's see what this looks like. So, most of your family, musical. All of them. All of them. Okay. And everyone plays more than one. <laughs> okay. Good deal. So, I'm assuming you know if I turned my if I turned this computer around, you would see more than more than the three that are in this room. Um, so what? So uh, how how many instruments you guys have laying around in the house somewhere? Oi. Uh, <laughs> this is when I just get to nerd out about people's guitars and instruments and things. It's probably at least 20. I don't even know okay. what the count is right now, but it, it's a lot. <laughs> that's a good, that's a good count. Yeah. And you know, one thing that I found is the, the instruments themselves are not the problem. It's the cases that are the problem. Yes. Know, yeah. You always have at least two, two cases per instrument for some, you have a hard case and then you have a gig bag and right. like I have a closet <laughs> back here, I have a closet back here filled to the brim of cases and yes. I don't what, nobody yeah, wants a key. <laughs> yeah, you can't you can't get rid of a case. Well, okay, so so that's where we start. Now, what it, what does that sound like for your family? Um, what is the what is the genre of the Housel home? Hmm, probably less, mostly bluegrass. Okay, because we're involved with a um, a local music school. Okay, and that's what we play mostly okay. there. My dad and I both help teach there okay. and so we're very heavily involved and that's we come home and play what we play there so okay mostly bluegrass a little folk stuff and okay. some old-fashioned rock and roll but okay cool mostly so i had a discussion not too long ago kind of about the the compartmentalization of what we listen to um due to like things like spotify and and things like that where everything is tailored to your to your sound and what you want to hear. So when people ask you, um, hey, Rivers, what do you listen to? What do you tell them? Because I have a hard time with that. So what do you what do you tell them? My yeah. least favorite question is, hey, what's your favorite kind of music? I'm like, oh, gosh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I guess I'd have to say singer songwriter, but I hate saying that because that's such an incredibly broad term. Yeah. yeah. But I don't know what else to say. I love instrumental stuff. Okay. Okay. Um, especially string bands just because that's a lot of what we play in our house yeah 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 I know it's a hard question I mean that's like I I said in the last episode when I'm like I tell when I tell people well I listen to hymns you know (laughs) and and, you know you you think of you know the Brooklyn Tabernacle or something like that you know like well that's all I listen to but there's there's a whole nother world out there um that people don't know about and and it's hard to explain Okay, so that's that's kind of the sound that where you were that you were brought up in. That's that's what that's what it sounds like for you. 
Now let's talk about um, church music for a second. Mm -hmm. um, you mentioned you're in, a, you're in a Presbyterian church, you're in a Reformed church. So what does worship sound like? What is worship like for you and your family? The very, very old hymns okay. played traditionally all the way. And we're talking like piano and like electric organ type style or what are we talking about? Just piano. No, we, we are a tiny, tiny little church out in the okay. middle of a rice field in the Delta. So okay. it's just, just a little piano. But um, in the last year, my sister and I and another girl in our church, we started playing violin with the piano. So okay. we are strings in a piano, but it's the very, very old hymns. I don't know if you're familiar with the Trinity hymnal. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's what yep. I grew up. Okay. So, and that's exclusive, exclusively like that in your like hymns in your church from yes. the trinity hymn. okay we've started um, using Pontius christi but same sort of but okay. both of those yes what about like what about like special music do you guys have that kind of thing okay. no nope just the congregational singing just congregational okay okay well then let's go into this conversation okay so you are used to you're used to that that's that's kind of where you came from i would imagine that you know, in the past, whenever your family was more Southern Baptist, that's probably kind of where we were. I know, like for me, I've never really been a part of a church that doesn't do that and uh, exclusively until I became a worship leader. And then um, I'm the guy who, you know, <laughs> tends to, who can make people mad about picking my songs out, you know? <laughs> so, but, um, but so you have that background, you have that in your head. That's the sound. Uh, the sound of your family is more of a bluegrass sound. So I, I, I'm just trying to get everybody into kind of where we are. So now I ask you the question, before we get into your book, why should we, why should you spend so much time writing, talking, singing, and caring about hymns? Because, and I'm going to borrow a phrase from one of my favorite authors who wrote the foreword for Hidden in the Hymns. He said, the hymns taught us our theology and put it into our heart okay. and that's why I love the old hymns is yeah. because they got so well and I, it it benefited me as a child growing up with these yeah they, they you, you can remember anything if you put it to music right put your theology to music yeah right. that's and the old so many of the old ones did it so well that's right. why I love the old ones now let's talk about the word old for a second <laughs> so when when I, some I'm delicate when I when I talk about this because I don't know it, people get touchy when we use the word old um, some think old as in like 1940s and 50s <laughs> and that is the idea of traditional music I was speaking with Nathan Drake of Reawaken Hymns and he made that point of you know, some people, when they think of hymns, they pretty much only think of like Gaither uh, and that's that. it. Like, you know, because he lives in like victory in Jesus, like those, those, like that era. And maybe like, I saw the light off fly away. Um, kind of the fifties gospely type type stuff. Nothing wrong with that. But when you say old hymns, tell me what you're talking about. Give me an example. Well, we have one that I put in hidden in the hymns that was written in the mid seventh century. <laughs> Yeah. And then, you know, some, some of my favorites are probably from the 18th century. I think that that was a very good period yeah. in church music. Yeah. But no, I'm, I'm talking about the end. When I say old, I mean the entire realm of church history going back a thousand okay. years, you know, or more. Yeah. And, and, I, and I think that that is, I, I, 
I want to do an entire episode on that concept, but I don't know how to do it yet. Um, because I, I want everything to build up the church and not, you know, dissect it, you know, so, um, so what, what value is there in, in going back that far? I mean, there's out of all the songs that have been written since the mid seventh century, why is there, why is there value in going back that far? And what, what, what song is that by the way? Um, I think it's called Alleluia. And I think that's all it is. It's, um, okay. be the venerables hymn on the Ascension okay okay all right so so why go back that far why not the hymn is there and it's it's beautiful and it's it's worth remembering so why would we forget about it that that was the best answer i can give to that okay okay it's worth remembering let's talk c.s lewis for a second um he talks about and and this has been brought up on the show before but he talks about chronological snobbery um and it can go both ways, right? So that idea can go both ways. If, it, if it's new, it's better. If it's old, it's better. Um, how, how do we, as a church, how do we kind of navigate those waters? Um, I, as, as a worship leader, I've, I'm a blended worship leader, like, like all good Southern Baptist churches should be, because um, we got all kinds, of, all kinds of groups and everybody wants what they want. So when it comes to the conversation of old and new, and your and your answer is why not? Um, I would imagine that there's many on the side of well, we need to do all new, or we need to do this era. Their answer could be why not too. So, what is the value um, in in maybe taking a little bit of everything? You know, like good hymns, like Getty music, and and mm-hmm. Boswell hymns, but also going back, you know, to um, to, to, like you said, to, to way back in the day or Luther hymns or, or Gaither hymns, like what, what's the value in taking all of this together, um, and giving it to the church? And I, I think the reason I say, why not is just that, you know, it's, it's not looking at the old hymns and by old, I mean, you know, the ones from centuries and centuries ago, Yeah. as if they're the only ones that, will ever be useful to the church. No, there was a day when Jesus lover of my soul was new. There was a day when Psalm 51 was new. You know, yeah. it's it's not how old it is. It's an objective looking at the content of the hymn, yeah. which is why I love the Gettys hymns and yeah. things from that from today, because they have, just as those old ones do, and I appreciate so much, they have beautiful theology, beautifully stated. Yeah. But There are many hymns, and I encountered some when I was looking for material for Hidden in the Hymns, many hymns from centuries and centuries ago that it's okay to let that one fall by the wayside, you know, it wasn't the cream of the crop, and there there are a lot of those today as well, so it's, it's, it's just an objective looking at what's in the hymns content, it's not about the age of the hymn. And that, you know, you mentioned things kind of falling, falling away, And, and I think that's, that's, that's what we lose when we stop publishing hymnals. Um, you know, a hymnal was meant to to thin out the thin out the crop. You know, it was you know we're going to start here and then we're going to make another one and then we're going to make another one until we get down to what we want. And um, I understand well, like we don't use a hymnal like in 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 my in our worship service, um, but I definitely use one to select the music. You know, and 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 you know I. I keep, do you know the hymn? And I keep trying to find someone who knows it um, and can laugh at it with me. But do you know the hymn 
um, God of Earth and Outer Space? No. <laughs> okay, somebody's going to get there at some point. So it was in the hymnal of night, the Baptist hymnal of 1981, and it was like, but it, but it was like written like the 70s, and um, and so like, but but it's gone. Like it was in one hymnal, and that's it. And there's a reason for that because it was so contextual of like man on the moon kind of thing. Uh-huh. Um, you know, God of Earth and outer space, God of wonder, uh, God of grace, bless the astronauts above, like that whole kind of thing. <laughs> like we probably don't need to sing that anymore. Whenever Jeff Bezos is is flying people up into space and coming back down in like five minutes, so you have a point. We need to weed these things out as we go, and let's talk about going backwards on the things that hung around. So let's talk about your book. Um, I'm gonna pull that up real quick okay so you said that uh credo came out um like right before like six weeks before uh hidden in the hymns right yes that was a very busy couple of months (laughs) yeah i imagine and and so you know this is this is the first one that i noticed and and i believe it it popped up on on instagram as as the algorithm does um so this is kind of one that that drew that drew me in Hidden in the hymns, classic hymns made accessible for modern ears. And that is always something that we um, that we definitely want to go for. So let's talk about the why first. Why uh, did you feel like there was a need to write Hidden in the Hymns? It was based on my own experience of growing up with them. You know, I had I've reached a point where I I love and appreciate these hymns, but it took me years to get there because I had to yeah. figure out what they were talking about. Yeah, the language in these hymns is so often very archaic. Yeah. Vocabulary is, you know, way out there. Yeah, and all of those things, I, I think, are benefits, but the, they take some getting used to. You have to learn how to read yeah. this kind of language. Yeah, and I, I wanted children to be able to appreciate these hymns the way I do now, but I wanted to help them get there. Okay. Yeah. So let's talk about some of those words. Um, I know what words you're talking about, but you, do you can you bring up some of those that maybe growing up were like, kind of like, what, is, what are we talking about here? Yes. Well, one, it may be on the screen there. I don't remember. But one of the ones I always bring up is uh, rounded his cast like a mantle of the sea. Yeah. I, was that a fireplace mantle? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Hey, what, well, and what hymn, what hymn is that? Remind me. Well, I could have told you, but now I don't remember. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> Okay. So, all right. So yeah, mantle. I mean, yeah, I mean, simple words like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously the one that stands out to me is, is in Come Thou Fount. You know, you have several in Come Thou Fount, you know. Raise my Ebenezer. Yes. Ebenezer, um, Fetter, you know, those, those kind of things. Um, we're, we're singing I'll Hell Power Jesus name this, this Sunday for, for Palm mm-hmm. Sunday. And, um, I have our kids kind of walking in with their palm branches and all in, yes. um, you know, that's, that's not an easy one, you know, um, you know, angels I, prostrate fall. That's a dangerous <laughs> one. That's a dangerous one for kids. You know, you never want to, you always want to be careful. And then you got words like diadem. So I think we can all appreciate that. And what you've done there is, is take, is, is to talk about these, these words, because we've all been there, especially if we were raised in church. Um, all right. So where do you go from there? You have the things that we don't understand. What, why do you think it's so important that we get to the bottom of these words? 
because these hymn writers noticed things about God and his ways that aren't obvious. And I think that that's frequently my objection with new music and not just because it's new. I don't want to make that clear, yeah. but they, they tend to never dig below the surface. Yeah. Whereas these hymns and their hymn writers did, but that's hidden in words that a child doesn't understand. Right. So if we can just help them understand what the hymn writer is actually saying, they'll get the benefit of all these insights into our God and his ways. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the context, like I found it like in a lot of hymns, the context is, is usually like, um, like at, at sea driven, you know, like there, you know, like if you understand like sea language, you know, you can understand a, a lot of these and, and, you know, I think if you take that example, you know, and, and, and I think that maybe can, can help a little bit, um, you know, everybody can think of a story about a boat, you know, <laughs> I mean, like that kind of thing, you know, and that whole deal. So, so we have words that are difficult to understand. We, we know we need to draw out from there. So what, what are the things that, the, that we can do today um, to help kids, especially kind of understand um, the meaning behind these meaning behind these songs because you're sitting you're, you're there in church you're you're singing about these songs and the word comes up and then it's it's gone um, mm-hmm. which is another value of a of a hard hymnal but um how what are some ways we can help with that with better understanding that well just practically speaking when i was writing this i pictured it and um meant for it to be used I don't know how most churches work with this, but in our church, we know what hymns we're going to sing midweek before we sing. Yeah. So if there's some in this book, have your child read it ahead of time so that they'll have, when, when they encounter that word on Sunday morning, they'll have an image to associate with it. Yeah. Or if you don't know the hymns ahead of time, you'll read it Sunday afternoon when you get home. I, I meant for it to be a during the week practical companion to what they're using in worship Sunday by Sunday. Okay. Good. And so let's talk about like some of the hymns that that you that you referenced in, in the book and 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 why you why you chose them. Um what what's one that comes to mind when you really kind of when, when you really think of why you wrote this book? Um what what's a particular hymn that you're like, okay, this is one I want in the book and I feel like this is one that we really need to understand. One of them you've already brought up, All Hail the Power of Jesus Name. That was one okay. of the first ones I knew. Yeah. A little bit of explaining, and I knew it needed to be in the book. Yeah. Jesus Lover of My Soul is okay. another one, one of my favorite hymns. And what are you drawing out of it? What, what, why that one? I think it paints to, to a child who's trying to get for lack of a better phrase, get acquainted with the character of Christ and what he does for us. Yeah. I think it paints very helpful images. Okay. So there, you're there's men- so many like that. So you're mentioning a lot of imagery and I think, I think that's an important conversation. Okay. So we talk, even in the, even in just the title hidden in the hymns, imagery is hidden in, in hymns. And it's something that, like you said, I don't, I don't, think we always necessarily get in more contemporary music and we use contemporary we know what we're talking about you know we're not talking about um like living waters by the gettys you know we're talking we're talking more on on another branch of of christian music um what let's, let's see here what do you think prevents imagery 
what what is something else that we're singing about in songs that prevents imagery depicting truth like what else are we singing about if we're not singing about that i don't know i have an answer i was gonna see if you i was gonna see if you go so let's talk let's talk about the so i'd love to hear yours <laughs> yeah so i i'm thinking of when we go straight to the emotion when we get when we go straight to um here's what i'm feeling uh, you know and i'm only going to talk about those feelings i'm not going to necessarily talk about the truth that gets me to those feelings okay so and i think that's kind of where your where your book is, is going and, and and so how can this how can this book how can hit in the hymns serve a couple of groups of people let's start with just the um the one in attendance, the one in the congregation. Um, how do you hope that this serves the church goer? Well, in uh, the way I mentioned earlier, having the children make these hymns, the hymns that they'll be using on Sunday more a part of their weekly life. Okay. And, um, you know, the more time they spend with them, the more familiar the hymns will become. And... And I meant that for adults too. It's I've always referred to the book as being for children, but yeah. my family always corrects me and say, no, no, it's for adults too. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's to benefit everyone in that way, just to make them a more familiar part of day-to-day -day life. Okay. Not just something we sing once on Sunday and then we might not revisit that hymn for a year, you know. And that is a concept that I think um, I, I've, I've said before that I, I think that that concept, what you just said is, is a, is, the, the a movement that's bubbling up right now because everyone that I've spoken to that is that seems to be where their heart is going and and they've either done their first project in, in that or they're working on it and, and that's where we're headed is how can we get liturgy and hymnology and worship into the actual monotony of the lives of believers yeah. and 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 I'm excited for that, but I don't really know what it's going to look like, but I do think that we're off to a, a decent start. You know, yes. it's kind of like, it's kind of like in the beginning of COVID, nobody knew what they were doing, but we were doing something, yes. <laughs> you know? So we're, we're, as long as we're doing something, we're trying to get this figured out. Okay. So what, and this, this is really more for, for like my point of view, what do you hope this book, what, like, what do you hope about a worship leader or a worship pastor or a song director, a music director? What do you hope they would get out of this? I don't know. Um, I saw so much in these hymns that, you know, I thought I understood them yeah. until I tried to paraphrase them in a 10 year old's vocabulary. Yeah. And I realized there's so much more here than I even realized. Yeah. So I, I would hope that it would do the same for them. You know, that, we, we, we sometimes don't notice things when they're too familiar. So that's the other end of the spectrum. Yeah. So maybe to help them realize again, some of the truths that they can then pull out for their, their choirs, their congregations, et cetera. Okay. Yeah. And are, do you have like in, within your, within your church context, is there teaching of, of hymns in, in your church context? No, there's not. We we just sing them, which is why when I wrote this, I realized that a lot of that, the, the intentionality of making them familiar to children during the week is going to fall on the families. Yeah. You know, I saw this and I, I would hope that this book would be a good tool for family worship. Okay. You were talking about how we're going to accomplish 
making them more familiar. A lot of that I would say is going to fall on becoming more intentional in family worship. And yeah. it's going to fall to the parents making this part of your child's life regularly. Okay. Okay. And, and let's, let's wrap up the conversation about, about the book with that point The the idea of, of what you're saying, um, you know, we want to get we, writing this book so that we hear it throughout our week, like in, in our, in our home, I know that there was a point for me growing up that there was a certain sound and a certain type of song that I heard on Sunday mornings that I never heard throughout the week. And, and I definitely didn't hear it on the radio. You know, you just, you just didn't hear it anywhere else. Um, now that was also before Spotify and things like that. But so to somebody who's like, well, how, how does that happen? How, how do we get songs and how do we get worship? Um, in into our daily daily lives what does family worship uh, look like how do how does that happen because I'm assuming that was something that was in, that happened in your family it has in different forms through the years and to, sometimes we've done it more than um, we do at present even yeah and but it's I, I think as a culture we're just going to have to do more singing okay it really comes down to that because yeah. um, as far as, you know, you, you mentioned Spotify and yeah. Apple Music and all the rest, but there's still, I mean, there's Fernando Ortega and you mentioned yeah. some of the, the choirs and such, but yeah. there just isn't a whole lot of recordings of these hymns. Right, right. You know, you're, you're going to find more of the 40s and 50s gospel if you go looking for recordings of hymns. So yeah. we're going to have to sing them ourselves. We're going to have to play them ourselves. You know, that's, yeah. I learned a lot of the hymns that I know by heart. I do because I learned them in family worship. We picked a hymn and we sang it every day for a month. And okay. now I know it by heart for years after. It's going to take things like that yeah. to make them a part of your child's life. Yeah, that's good. So what do you guys, uh, what, what do you have coming up? You got anything new, new books coming, anything you can talk about? Well, we have another book hopefully coming out in the next month or two that I'm not going to say a whole lot about yet. Just okay. I can't just yet, but I won't be the only author of Noggin Knows anymore when it comes out. Okay, <laughs> so we're excited about that. <laughs> yeah, that's good. No, I mean that's that take that takes pressure off for sure. <laughs> I won't have to write it. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Okay, so if you want to keep up with um, Rivers and and Noggin Knows. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Naganos, Naganos Press. Um, be sure to follow them. Um, we're all, we have an Instagram, you have Facebook, you have your website. Any other ways they can keep up with you? Well, if they go to our website, we have a mailing list. That's that's the surefire way to, okay. to hear our announcements, etc. But yeah, okay. Instagram and our mailing list are probably the best ways. Okay. Okay. Good deal. Well, Rivers, thank you so much for joining us. And I hope that you all will uh, look for these books um, and take the truths that are out of them and apply them to you and your family as you go in between worship services, right? Throughout the week. Absolutely. Make yeah. it a part of your daily life. That's right. Well, Rivers, if you'll hang on after we get done recording, but I want to thank you so much for being with us today. All righty. Thank you for having me. Well, it was so nice to speak to our first author on the show, and Rivers definitely has a lot of good things to say, and I'm excited to see what she has to say in the future. Um, if you were encouraged, and if you want to dive more into uh, Rivers and her and her um, books, please use that code, the 10% code of Hymnology on their website, and you can see it in the description, um, to, to receive that and to be blessed by what she does, but also so she can be blessed by 
you. Thank you so much for listening to Hymnology, and we hope to see you next time.